It's time for the Open Tomb Ministries broadcast. Open Tomb Ministries, the family church at 5655 Temaquana Road. Sunday school at 9.30 a.m. Worship service at 10.30. Tuesday night Bible study at 7. Here's Bishop Strobridge with today's message. The position of authority changed in Babylon. When I say the position of authority changed in Babylon, the seats was changed and Nebuchadnezzar became the authority in Babylon. Now Jehoiakim was the king of Jerusalem. And so a part of Nebuchadnezzar's promise at becoming the king of Babylon was that he put a restitution or he put a a decree in place and said that once he became king of Babylon, he would go in and he he would attack Necho, the king of Assyria, as well as Egypt. And so what he did is he mounted up his soldiers. He mounted up his soldiers. And when he mounted up his soldiers, I want to show you something real quick. Right here in this region, you'll see Babylon. Here is Babylon. And this right here is the Euphrates River. And this is where the king of Assyria, you see it right here, was. So Nebuchadnezzar becomes king of Babylon and he engages in war. So he gathers his soldiers together and he he runs out to meet Nico right here on the on the border of the Euphrates. And as Nico hears the noise of the information that Nebuchadnezzar wants to do war with him, he is not afraid. He sends out an edict to his kingdom and he tells his soldiers by the thousands to gather together to go to the border of the Euphrates to do war. So Nico, he rushes to the Euphrates River to meet the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And that day, it was a bloody war. Nico, he fell under the power of Nebuchadnezzar. He lost tens of thousands of soldiers. And as a result of that, Nebuchadnezzar not only became or was still reigning as the king of Babylon, But he took control of everything on this side of Euphrates up to this point, Judea. Judea was the region where the Jews were. So in other words, he took over all that region, but he did not attack Judea. He left Judea in place. And so about four years after reigning, which would place Jehoiakim, the king of Jerusalem, on the throne now about eight years, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, through the influence of God, he sets his eyes on Judea. And he gets some soldiers and he moves into Judea. And he tells Jehoiakim, king of Jerusalem, I have taken over all of the regions of Assyria. I now rule all of Mesopotamia. In order for you to keep your land, I need you to pay tribute to me. In other words, he says, I want you to give me monetary gifts. I want you to give me an offering. And the offering that you give me would be an offering that says you honor me. So Jehoiakim, like any king, he did what was best for the people. And he agreed to the tribute. But about four years after giving the tribute, he learned of how brutal the battle was between Nebuchadnezzar and the Egyptians. 
and he decided that he was no longer going to pay tribute. But you have to understand this was all a part of God's design to punish a rebellious Jewish nation. As a matter of fact, the battle that ensued, Nebuchadnezzar went in and seized Jerusalem twice. The person that was on the throne the first time he went in was Jehoiakim. And then his son took over. And after his son, a guy by the name of Zedekiah took over. Zedekiah name means justice of Jehovah. And that's when Nebuchadnezzar went in and destroyed it when Zedekiah was king. Burned the temple to the ground. And so through the influence of God, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of not only Babylon and all of Mesopotamia, but now of Assyria, he conquers the entire known world at that time. And so God stirs up in Nebuchadnezzar's heart because he's going to use Nebuchadnezzar as a rod in his hands against his people. And he tells Jerusalem, he says, because you've defiled me, I'm going to send in a mighty sea to put you in bondage. And this was the attack where Daniel, Isaiah, and all those guys went into bondage in Babylon. Anybody familiar with the story of Babylon? So he goes in and Jerusalem was fortified extremely well. And so they had a problem. How do we get over the walls, the great walls of Jerusalem to go in and take over this place? So in other words, Nebuchadnezzar was hungry. He was thirsty to make the Jews obey him. So what they did, they came up with a master plan. Nebuchadnezzar told the soldiers, he said, what we'll do is we'll starve them out. So they surround Jerusalem. And one way to breach the walls, Josephus says that they took and they dug trenches around the wall. And I can remember hearing a song back in the days about an old goat stuck in the well. And the old lady who's telling the story, she says that they took and they threw dirt in that well. And every time they threw it in, that old goat would shake it off his back. And as he shook it off, he stood on the dirt and he got higher and he got higher. And so this is sort of what they did. They threw dirt up against the wall and they built the half pyramid up against the wall. Then they ran up the dirt and they were now on the walls of Jerusalem. And you have to remember, like the walls of Jericho, Rahab stayed on the wall. The wall would be wider than this building. People actually walked on the walls. They lived on the walls. And so Nebuchadnezzar and his soldiers, they go in and they take over Judea. And he appoints another king to do his will. But then all of a sudden, as Daniel goes into bondage, as a result of Judea being taken over, he sees an image. Remember what we read in Revelations 13. Daniel chapter 2, 31 through 34. Look at what Daniel says as it relates to Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He said, your majesty, he says, looked and there before you stood a large statue Enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold. Its chest and its arms were silver. Its belly and its thighs was bronze. In its legs of iron, its feet partly iron and partly clay. Mm. The feet iron and of partly baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out. 
but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. You are not to perceive this statue as literal. This statue is the same thing that you read of in Revelations 13. Where in Revelations 13, it deals with the nature of the beast. In this chapter, it is dealing with the strength of the beast. So it says that it had a head like gold. Now, the head of gold on this statue is the kingdom of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. He was a superpower in the world at that time. As a matter of fact, he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw a tree that was so tall it reached the heavens. And the fowls of the air, they rested in the branches. And the beasts, they rest under the field. And he was disturbed by the dream. And so he called the sorcerers and, and they couldn't interpret the dream. And, and then one told him, say, well, we have a man here from Jerusalem named Daniel. And he can interpret dreams. So Daniel goes and Daniel does something so amazing. He tells Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was. And then God interprets it through Daniel. And Daniel says, oh, king, the tree that you saw that was cut down, but the stump and the roots were left in place. He said, oh, king, the tree was you. God has built you up. To be the power that you are. It is a terrible thing when God build you up and bless you and you take the credit for everything you got. God tells Nebuchadnezzar, no, you didn't do it. I did that thing. I'm the one put you over my people. I'm the one who blessed you. I'm the one who gave you all the power and all of the wealth that you have. How dare you take the credit for me? I am God almighty. So God sends him a dream. The fastest way down for any man is pride. I'm going to cut you down. And so Daniel tells him it is you. You are the tree. But watch this. The stump and the roots were left. So what God was saying, I'm not going to permanently get rid of you. I'm going to leave the root and the stump so that you can grow back. But this time you're going to grow back with the right attitude. Can I get a witness, somebody? Sometimes God got to carry you through something to straighten your heart out. Sometimes God got to put you on your back to get your attitude where it needs to be. And so God tells him, he says, you know, I'm going to raise you back up. But he says, when I do it and by time I do it, you're going to know that I am God and I rule from heaven. I rule it all. Can I get a witness, anybody? Is God the head of your life? He says, you're going to know that I'm the God of all creation. And so the Bible tells us that God takes Nebuchadnezzar and he takes him off the throne and he sends him into the wilderness to live with wild animals. He takes him out from among humans and he puts him out where the beasts are. And the Bible gives us this very distinct picture of how his shape and form begin to change. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar grew hair like feathers. And he had feet like claws. And so God said, I'm going to leave him out there until we can get his heart right. Let me say this to you. Some of you are in a desert place because your heart ain't right. Some of you are praying and saying, Lord, deliver me out of this trouble. And it seems that God is not answering your prayers because the wilderness is your process. And until your heart is right, you're going to stay right there. In a wilderness, there's famine. 
In a wilderness, there's sickness. And sometimes you don't know who you are and you will not submit to God until you've had your wilderness experience. Can I get a witness, somebody? I've been in that wilderness where God has had to deal with me. But here's the thing that's so powerful about that. Why would God take the king and place him among animals? He takes him off the throne and he puts him out among wild beasts. Because God declared in the time of Adam, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and give man dominion over the earth. Animals do not have dominion over the earth. So God took the king from the location of dominion, which was with the humans, and put him out with the animals. So his condition was a reflection of the fact that he no longer had dominion. Why? Because you're reigning or you're where dominion does not exist. So he places him out there. So he sees this. Now let's deal with this last part here. He says, while you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. And it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay. And it smashed it. I want you to understand that these kingdoms that we read about, at least three of those kingdoms or four of those kings, and one of those kingdoms is reigning now. The other three have gone. But then there is a new kingdom that is going to arise, the one that is partly iron and clay. And if you go and Google right now, you will see that the United Nations is in the process of trying to figure out how to resurrect the United States of Rome. Rome is the beast that had a deadly wound and its wound was healed. If you go and do the research, you will see right now that the Pope has set out to be the one religious man for the whole world. And some would say he may very well be the false prophet. Because aside from what you are, Catholicism is growing so fast, the Catholic Church. But so much of what they teach is against the truth of God. As a matter of fact, you still go to the Pope and he forgets. Listen again next Sunday at 8 p.m. as the message continues from Bishop Stowbridge at Open Tomb Ministries, the Family Church at 5655 Timaquana Road. Sunday school at 9.30, worship service at 10.30, Tuesday night Bible study at 7, Bishop Strobridge's books, The Mystery of Creation and the Discovery of Self, and The Fulfillment of Purpose are available at the church and Amazon.com.